Well, Northside family, good to be with you today. My name's Nate. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I want to welcome you today. And what an incredible morning. Can we just thank God and welcome the folks online at the same time for an incredible morning. Today, we're beginning a brand new series called Running on Full, uh, Holy Habits for a Holiday Season. And uh, I love this season. There's a lot of traditions that come up. If you didn't catch at the beginning of service, Caleb Brown, our young adult uh, minister, was sharing some of the habits that we've got coming up here. You guys do not want to miss next weekend. It is our missions weekend. A bunch of our missionaries are in town this coming week for a conference. And whenever they come kind of close to town, we want to invite them in. Next weekend is going to be a special weekend. They're going to be up here. We've got a bunch of different opportunities for you to meet them. They have some things from, uh, that they've started micro-businesses and they're bringing some of their supplies. You have a chance to buy some of their goods to support the ministry and to continue to do kingdom work. And it is going to be an incredible time. And yes, there's going to be food. Praise the Lord. All right. You know, so next weekend is going to be a great time. And, and I love this season because during this season, we practice some holy habits. Even if you're not a Christ follower, there's something that happens in November and December. The generosity goes up. The mindfulness of others go up. We begin to think about those in need, those who don't have. And what happens is this, even if you're not a believer, what we share, and this is why we do follow Jesus, is this. It just comes out of us. That we know deep down in our hearts, this idea that life really isn't just about us, but life is better when it's about something greater than us. And see, this is why we're followers of Jesus, because we believe he is the greatest thing to follow. He is what life is, and he calls you and I into some holy habits. I love one of the habits that happened last year. You know, sometimes through COVID, we can talk about all the bad things, but there's things that God does in the midst of stressful moments. Last year, we started this, and we're doing it again. We're doing this through our life groups. Uh, But last year, we knew there were so many needs in the community that we actually couldn't get to them. Literally, there were some places that we go every year and serve, but due to like regulations, we couldn't go in and serve. And we said the church needs to be able to meet people right where they're at. And one of, one of the things you'll find about scripture is this, the church is a people. It's you and it's me. It's all of us together living out the ways of Jesus. And we did this last year, we're gonna do it again, is through our life groups. We're giving every life group a $500 visa gift card. And what we're saying is this, pray and then go be the hands and feet of Jesus. And what I love is happening is this, this happened in my life group last year, there was someone who was in deep need and we immediately were able to step in and pay bills that they couldn't pay. And what we found is this, when we practice these holy habits, yes, we bless other people, but there's something that happens inside of us. There's something that changes in us when we practice these holy habits. You know, you've heard us talk about Operation Christmas Child. You can grab a shoebox out in the lobby. And what's so cool is this, you bring it back next weekend is when they're due. And, and I say that to tell myself because we grabbed a box, you know, and, and I've got to fill it up. And what's cool is this, one, we partner with Operation Christmas Child. In the name of Jesus, they tell people about Jesus. And kiddos who don't have Christmas end up getting presents, but it's connected to Jesus. And uh, last week, we were taking our Operation Christmas Child box home. And my little buddy, Carter, he's six. He's my middle uh, uh, child. He's my son. And uh, when we were in the car, he said, dad, this is awesome. So we just go buy toys for other kids in the name of Jesus. I said, that's it, my man. And he said, why do we only have one box then? And I'm like, well, I said, (laughs) you know, and he goes, I think each one of us should go get a box. And I said, Carter, that is I love that, man. I love that. I said, but here's the deal. And typically we get about three presents for each of our kids. I got three kids. And I said, 
you know what? Well, you know, one, we can, we, we can do one box for the family, but I tell you what, if each one of you, if you're willing to give up a present, I'll give you the cash and you can go buy whatever presents you want and each one of you can have your own Operation Christmas Child box. You'll just go a gift less this Christmas. This was his look in the van on the way home last weekend. And it was like, why don't you just buy it, Dad? And I'm like, why don't you? Because then we're up and we're like all these other things that we're buying. And, and here's the thing. Sometimes this is why we're talking about running on full and, and holy habits during this holiday season is because sometimes we have great ideas. We have great ideas. We have great vision. The only thing is this. When we don't match the vision of Jesus with the habits of Jesus, we don't see the outcomes of Jesus in our life. See, for us in this place, it's not that you don't have a great vision for your life, or it's not that you don't know that God wants to do incredible things through your life and through my life. Oftentimes, here's the problem. We have great ideas, but we've never taken the time to match the habits that come along. So this is what I want to do today and, and through the rest of November. What we're going to look at is we're just going to look at four habits that cultivate a full life. Here's what's fascinating about the scripture. I, I didn't learn this till I was a Christian later on in life, but I, I didn't know this. But did you know that every single book in the Bible was written to someone who was facing a hard time in life? Think about it. The whole Old Testament, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible were written to the Israelites and the Israelites had been in slavery and they get set free and now they're under attack and they have God's word to remind them about godly habits when life isn't easy. What we're going to look at today is in Philippians chapter 4, Paul is going to write to the church in Philippi and he writes to you and I. And sometimes we read God's word and we go, okay, you know, I'm reading this, but I don't know the setting. I don't know the context. Here's what we need to know about Philippians. Paul is in jail in Rome for his faith. And what he's going to do is he's going to write to remind the church, and he's also writing to remind himself that it's not just that Jesus loves him, but there are habits he needs to practice to continue to walk in the ways of Jesus, or else here's what's going to happen. The emptiness of life is going to overwhelm him. And here's the tension you and I face today. Life right now even though we're more advanced technologically, even though we are more advanced financially, and then in the entire history of the world, we run the risk of living an empty life and we miss the fullness of Jesus. See, for us today, I don't know your story. I prayed with a girl last night, her and her family. She was 15 years old. And uh, she, she came down here after the service just for prayer. Love to pray with people. What's going on? And I said, what's kind of going on? And you could see tears were in her eyes. And, you know, with a 15-year-old girl, you're like, you know, did you get broken up with? You know, what, what happened here? You know, who knows? And uh, she, she plays travel volleyball. And this weekend, I didn't realize, travel volleyball, there's a big tryout going on. And what happened is... Uh, Recently, she dislocated her kneecap, and now she doesn't get a tryout for travel volleyball. Now, some of us go, well, there's always next season. You ever found out that never helps a 15-year-old girl, <laughs> right? Matter of fact, that, that never helps you and I. Oh, just grow up. Get over it. We're like, thanks. So encouraging. And we just prayed as a family because here's what was happening. She was facing a circumstance that life feels empty. And what she knew in that emptiness was this, I needed to come back to some holy habits. 
See, you and I are going to face circumstances. We're going to face a world that sometimes can feel very empty and overwhelming. And Paul is going to call us back to the fullness of Jesus. He's going to call us back in this season to practice some holy habits so that you and I, no matter what you and I face, maybe it's not a volleyball tryout, but maybe this last year you've lost your job. Or maybe the job you're in now has been reconstructed because of all sorts of stuff and you're doing what you never wanted to do and you're going, how long can I do this? How long can I do this? In Paul, in Philippians chapter four, I wanna invite you, if you got your Bible, or if you got your version Bible app, it'll be up on the screen. I wanna invite you to, to follow along. As a matter of fact, this series, I wanna invite you just to, to be in God's word more. Well, you're gonna find that is the number one holy habit you and I need. The more we're in God's word, the more our life is full and the more the circumstances don't define us. But this is what Paul says in Philippians chapter four, verse four, he's in prison. And here's the thing about a Roman prison. Here's how rough it is. If nobody brings you food or clothes, guess what? You don't eat. Paul's in this place where he's going, I, don't, I hope people remember me, but life feels empty. And not only is he in prison, he's writing to the church in Philippi because what's happened is the churches that he's planted now have problems. And he can't go there personally and fix the problems. And listen to what he says to the church. He calls them to these holy habits. He says this in verse four through nine. He calls the church and he calls you and I. He says, listen, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've seen or learned or received or heard or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Paul, in the midst of his empty moment of prison, in the midst of the churches that he's planted are facing problems, he calls the church back to some holy habits. And then he says this, I'm going to cover the four just a moment, but at the very end he says this, whatever you've learned or received or heard or seen in me, he says this, put it into practice. Begin these habits of, of doing this. And he gets this from Jesus. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, if you ever wondered who Jesus is or what Jesus is all about, I want to encourage you to go read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's his greatest sermon. He talks about everything there. He holds nothing back. He says, here's what marriage looks like. Here's what all these things look like in life. And, but Jesus ends in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. He says this. He says, therefore... Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus today is inviting you and I to build our lives on the rock, to put our lives on these holy habits. Here are the four holy habits we're going to start today. They're going to go through this month. The first is this. Paul in this passage says for us to be joyful. If you want your life to be full, you need to be joyful then he says this, you and I need to learn how to be thankful, to be thankful. 
But he says, then we need to see the beautiful in the world. Part of seeing beauty means this, we gotta slow down to see the goodness of God. And then the last one is this, is to live peaceful lives. Joyful, thankful, beautiful, peaceful. Today, we're gonna start with this idea of being joyful. Some of you guys already like, oh, joyful. Oh man, I knew I had an extra hour of sleep. I should have had two and skipped service today, right? You know, and you know, sometimes when we think joyful, we just think emotion. Some of us in this room, you're going, Nate, I'm not, you know, I'm not a, an overly emotional person. And, and here's what I wanna help us understand today. When Paul says rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. We're just gonna look at these two, two verses right here. He's not saying just walk around and just be happy when you're really not. Here's what Paul is saying to you and I today. Here's the holy habit that we need. If you want your life to run on full, when sometimes life can be empty, this is what Paul's saying is this. You and I need to choose joy. We need to choose joy. See, when we choose joy, sometimes that means us define the circumstances that we're facing. This is how the scripture says. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And what he's saying is this. Choose joy, choose joy, choose joy. Paul's waking up in prison every day and he has a choice. Will the circumstance define him or will the joy of Jesus define him in his circumstance? See, choosing joy means this, that you and I choose Christ over our circumstances. That we wake up and at lunch and at dinner and at bedtime, what we're doing is this, Jesus, I'm gonna choose you more than I'm gonna choose my circumstance to define me. Jesus, I'm gonna choose you to be my foundation. What was interesting is I studied uh, the city of Philippi. The, the city of Philippi was founded by King Philip II, Alexander the Great's dad. And you know why he founded the city of Philippi? Because there was a gold mine there. <laughs> Literally, the city of Philippi was founded on gold mines. It's a pretty good place to start a city. And this is why he's going, something is gonna be my foundation. I'm gonna plant a city on a gold mine. This is why Paul says, if you and I wanna be able to live a life that's full, specifically through this holiday season, it starts by you and I coming back to our foundation in Jesus. I, I, I just kind of crack up at seeing all the holiday gifts. Isn't it funny? I, I don't know if it's just me, but, but isn't it funny that it seems like all the gifts at Christmas are going back to the 80s? You know what I'm saying? Like now it's like, I, my, even my kids, man, they love Nintendo now. I'm like, I, I have an original 8-bit Nintendo. They don't want to play that. They want to play the Switch, right? But they love Mario, right? And then like the clothing, it's like, you know, 10-year-olds wearing Journey shirts, right? You know, and you're like oh, like, oh, you love Journey? They're like, who's that, right? You know, like, but I love the shirt, right? And, and we all come back and it's so funny. What's happening is this, it, it, we kind of come back to our foundation, and this is what Paul's saying in this passage is this, come back to your foundation. Come back to the thing that can actually give you joy because here's what happens in our circumstance when we live our life too dependent on our circumstances, what you'll find is this, sometimes they can go well for a while until the bottom drops out. Or sometimes our circumstances can be so rough, you're like, surely it's gonna end here in a second. And that second turns into a month. And that month turns into a season. And that season turns into a year. 
And what Paul is saying is this, if you want to find your joy, man, it is you and I choosing Christ over our circumstances. Some of you here today going, Nate, I know the idea of coming back to our faith, coming back to our hope in Jesus. For some of you in this place, your story is you didn't grow up in church. Your parents didn't grow up in church. You're like, I don't know what I'm coming back to. What's incredible about this in Philippi, they had no synagogues. Meaning this, there was no Jewish heritage in the city. When Paul planted a church here, he planted the church with brand new believers. In Acts chapter 16, verse 14, we see this woman, Lydia, a business owner. Since there was no synagogue, she hosted the first church in her house. See, God, when you choose him, is able to do new things in your life He's able to do new things in your family. It's not just did you grow up as a Christian family. It's this, his joy fills us up as we continue to choose him. That we see the circumstances, but even in the circumstances, we choose Jesus. This is why the passage says this, rejoice in the Lord. 70 times in the New Testament, you'll see this phrase, in Christ. In Christ. Not in our circumstances, but in Christ. Christ, he says, rejoice in the Lord. And what he's saying is this, I'm rejoicing in the one who can get me through the circumstances I face today. He says this in chapter three, verse one as well. He says this, finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord because it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And then he says this about joy. He says, and it is a safeguard for you. Do you ever think about choosing Jesus and the joy of Jesus as a safeguard for your heart? You know what joy is protecting you and I from when we choose it? It's protecting us from cynicism. It's protecting us from a soul that grows defeated by our life. It protects us that when the world crumbles in, we remember the hope that is with us. See, when you choose joy, it is a safeguard for you. This is why Paul goes on to say this, rejoice in the Lord. And then he says this word, always. Why couldn't he say at 945 on Sunday morning only, right? Right, let's come together, let's rejoice in the Lord. Okay, now let's go back to worrying about everything else in life. He doesn't say that. He says rejoice in the Lord. And then he says this, always. And this is what I love about the word always. Jesus says this in John chapter 15 is what he reminds his disciples with. He says, he says, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me, stay connected to me, stay connected to me. He goes, and if you do, you're going to bear much fruit. But then he says this, because apart from me, you can do what? Anybody remember? Nothing. It's going to remain in me. Rejoice in me always. Another way to say the word always is this, to revel in it. To revel in it, to soak it up to rest in it, to be in God's word, to talk with God, to walk with God. For some of you New Albany football fans, you are reveling in your second sectional in 20 years. Okay, no, no New Albany football fans here this morning. Okay, all right, cool down. You're like, we're all Floyd Central fans, man. What do you got to say? Sorry. <laughs> Better luck next year, right? No, I, I just, you know, one of those, you know, I, and I love it. And here's what, here, to be honest, I, I'm friends with Coach Cooley, the football coach at New Albany. And, and I made this confession yesterday. I was following along through Twitter. And when I saw that they were down by a touchdown with four minutes left to go in the game, I turned it off. And I was like, oh man, sorry coach. Woke up and they won, scored with four seconds left, man. And here's what's happening. Here, I was chatting with him 
And all I could hear is this, a man who's just reveling in a win. He's just reveling in this victory. This is what Paul is saying here. He's saying rejoice in the Lord always. Revel in the goodness of God. Revel in the faithfulness of God. That no matter what you're going through, it might be horrendous, but it is not the end. We are choosing him. This holy habit of going, Jesus, you are with me and you are working this out. I may not see it all, but I'm going to choose you. And some of you go, Nate, why why does this really matter? Here's why this matters. Because it's these daily habits that shape our relationship with Jesus. I was uh, meeting with a pastor friend this week. And uh, I, said, I just said, hey, man, what's kind of God doing in your life? And he said, uh, he said something pretty profound. He said, here's what the Lord's doing in my life. He's a pastor down in Nashville, great guy. He said this. He said, here's what I found out. He said, I have more vision for my ministry than I do my marriage, and that's a problem. I said, whoa, man. I, I said, tell me about it. He said, yeah. He said, I, you know, I, I'm planning and I'm strategizing and doing all this other stuff. And what I'm realizing is this. I'm rejoicing in that way too much. And I'm having the Lord call me back to my marriage first. Reveling in this first. Then he shared a verse to me. It's pretty haunting. It's in Judges chapter 2 verse 10. He said, this was the verse that convicted me. In Judges chapter 2 verse 10, he says, talking about after there was Moses and then there was Joshua, God's people. And this is after Joshua died. It says this in Judges chapter 2 verse 10. It says, after that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. You know why it matters for you and I to choose joy in our everyday life? Because it impacts the next generation. It impacts. See, this is why it matters that you and I practice these holy habits. See, it's not just about you and I. It's about what God wants to not just do in us, but it's what he wants to do through us and around us. This is why right after this, Paul says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And then he immediately goes this way. He says, and let your gentleness be evident to all. May let the joy of God not just be about you and Jesus. May the joy of God begin to spill out into the world into your neighborhood, into the life around you. Meaning this, when he says, let your gentleness be evident to all, here's what it means to choose joy in the gentleness. It means that we choose gentleness over grudges. That this holiday season, a lot of times, there's relationship conflict that comes up. And there's people you and I are going to see, and we're going to go, how's that going to go over? And you and I are going to have an opportunity this holiday season to either choose joy or choose to hold the grudge. Matter of fact, the city of Philippi was known as a city of grudges. There's a thing in 42 BC called the Battle of Philippi, and it was the battle between Mark Antony and Octavian Caesar and Brutus, because Brutus had assassinated Octavian's adopted father, Julius Caesar. And so the Battle of Philippi in 42 BC was this massive grudge match between a couple of men. And so here's what Philippi was known as, gold and grudges. Gold and grudges. That was what the life was here. And in the midst of gold and grudges, the message of Jesus comes in and goes, you know, what's gonna, you know what your life's going to lead when all you have is gold and grudges? Here's what it's going to lead to eventually, an empty life. Because gold cannot save you and grudges cannot bring you peace. 
and the hope of Jesus comes in. This is where Paul says this, let your gentleness be evident to all. When we read a passage, we always want to read what's happening before and what's happened after. And what happened right before this passage is this, Paul writes to address an issue in the church. Believe it or not, not all church people get along. I know, right? Right? Sometimes we go, it's the world out there. No, sometimes it's the world in here. And Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 through 3. Right before this, listen to what he says. He said, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Talking about church strife. And then he says, yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, meaning comrades, the body of Christ, Christians, I ask you to help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Right before he gives this holy habit, he addresses an issue of grudges in the church. And what he's saying is this, church family, we got to learn how in the ways of God to let our gentleness be evident to all, to navigate broken relationships. I love uh, the family traditions that we have, talking about holy habits. You know, on Halloween night, uh, we always watch Charlie Brown, The Great Pumpkin, right? You know, and we always watch that, and, and I love with my kids, and I'm like, man, it's such a good movie. And then literally the next day on Monday, we had Home Alone on, right? Poor Thanksgiving, right? Just gets chucked to the curb, right? And literally all my three kids, man, they wanted to watch Home Alone, popcorn, hot chocolate. I'm like, game on, man. I love these holy habits. And I was reminded as I was watching Home Alone, you you know, we love the pranks and the kids are cracking up and everything's great, but I was reminded why I really love this movie and I think really why we love the movie Home Alone, it's this. It's because there is conflict and strife in the family. And my favorite scene is the scene in the cathedral, maybe you know this, where Kevin sits down with his creepy, scary neighbor. You remember this scene? And they bring all their problems together. And they begin to speak into each other. And I love that Kevin McAllister, a 10-year-old boy, just begins to challenge his neighbor. Why don't you call your son? Why don't you begin to not stay in grudges, but grow? And his neighbor spoke to Kevin about his issues with his family. And the thing that I think we all love the most about Home Alone, it's my favorite scene, is at the end when it's snowing and Kevin looks out the window and he looks over to his neighbor's house and there he is with his granddaughter because they've come over. And you see this reconciliation moment happening. And there's something in us, whether we're a Christian here today or not, there's something in us that we go, I don't know maybe what that is, but that's just right. That's just right. That there's brokenness, and in the midst of brokenness, something happens in this season. And see, this is what the season about choosing joy and about the season of choosing Jesus and all of our grudges and all of our brokenness, even in the church, the church isn't perfect. Paul has to address it. Yodia, Syntyche, you guys need to get along. And he doesn't say you guys. He says you guys need to get along in the Lord. What he's saying is this, Yodia and Syntyche, I need you to choose Jesus more than the grudges that you carry. And some of us go, Nate, 
I love that, but man, I feel all alone in this. This is why he ends this line with this. Do all of this because the Lord is near. The Lord's near. So you and I in this season, we're not alone. In our circumstances, in our blown out knees, in our blown out careers, in our blown out relationships, not alone. Paul says here in my prison, I'm not alone. The Lord is near. And he's also saying this, and the Lord is returning. The Lord is returning. Meaning this, when we choose joy, we choose hope over despair. The habit for you and I this season is that when despair comes up, we go, no, I'm choosing hope. I'm choosing the joy of Jesus, even in the midst of despair. One of the things Paul does is this, and I want to encourage you, if you're really going to practice this, is you need to begin to write out the despair that you're facing. Go ahead and write it out. One of the most powerful things that God wants from us is this. He wants us to tell us what's going on in our lives. He wants you and I to bring our relationships to him. He wants you and I to bring our fears to him. He wants you and I to bring the circumstances to him. And this is what I love in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, he says this. He's just honest with the church about his situation. He says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. He says, but we have this treasure talking about Jesus, this joy in jars of clay, talking about his, our bodies. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power, how do we grow through this? How do we grow through our circumstances? How do we grow through the, through the grudges? How do we grow through the despair? It's through the power of God. And he says, we have this treasure Jesus in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And he just says it. He says, here's what I'm facing. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. He says, we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. See, there's something that begins to happen in you and I when we choose joy. When we say, Jesus, there's no gold, there's no grudge, there's no despair that I'm going to let dictate and rule my life. But Jesus, I'm going to come back to you and I'm going to choose joy. Yesterday, about 9.30 in the morning, our house alarm started going off. And uh, Ruthie had put a code in and something had malfunctioned. And for the next 30 minutes in our house, the whole alarm went off. For 30 minutes, couldn't get it to stop. Downstairs, couldn't figure it out. Texted a picture to my buddies, an electrician. I said, can I cut these wires, man? He texted 30, 30 minutes later, he texted back. He said, those are the speaker wires. You sure can. And it's 30 minutes later. I'm sure this is of no help, right? And I remember in this circumstance, literally, I'm preaching on choosing joy and choosing Jesus in the midst of our circumstances. Couldn't get the house alarm to shut off for 30 minutes. I'm down there. It's just ringing in my ear. And all I had to do was sit there. Man, I didn't feel like choosing joy. But I just sat there. And I'm going, all right, Lord, you're going to make me practice my sermon before I preach it, aren't you? 
in the midst of the noise, got one speaker down in the basement turned off, then another one started going off, didn't know where it was at, had to do the Clark Griswold, get up in the attic, right? Got that speaker cut off. And then all I had in my ears was this, just ringing for the next hour. For some of us, I know, the alarms are going off in your life. The ringing is just in your ears. And you're going, coming into this holiday season, it feels empty and overwhelming. And Paul just writes to say this, choose joy. The joy of the Lord, this power that is not from you, that's not from me, that is only from the Lord because the Lord is near. I wanna invite you right now, just if you would, just bow your heads with me for a moment. I just wanna invite you just to be honest right now in your life. You might got circumstances, you may have grudges, you may be full of despair right now. I just wanna ask this question of you just between you and the Lord. Where do you need to choose joy today? For some of you, maybe you've never chosen the joy of Jesus to be your hope. And today's the beginning of that. I got a couple friends that are thinking about being baptized, talking with them, can't wait for them to choose joy, can't wait for them to choose Jesus. Maybe for some of you today, this is the beginning of that journey of choosing Jesus. Maybe this season you've got grudges or you're just full of despair right now. Where do you need to choose joy? Go ahead and say it, describe it to God. Here's what's going on. And God, in the midst of that, I'm gonna choose you. And I'm gonna allow you to work that out. Father, we thank you that you're hearing stories right now. Father, you know, God, you know the stuff that maybe we've never even told anybody else. And part of the reason why life feels so empty is, is Father, we feel like we're the only one that has to carry this. And today, God, we're, we're being reminded that you're with us and your church is with us. And God, we don't do this life alone. Father, I pray that this holiday season wouldn't just be a season of ideas, but Father, it would be a season of holy habits cultivated with you, walking with you, enjoying you, being changed by you. Father, we thank you that you love us and you walk with us no matter what we face. And God, I just ask and pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, would you give us the power to choose you every day, all day, this season. Lord, there's nobody like you. We fix our eyes on you today and we walk in your joy, Jesus, because there is none like you. And it's in your name that we pray. And all of us said together, amen. May you choose joy today, everybody. God bless you. We'll see you next weekend for Mission Weekend.